Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Welcome back to another episode of Our Soul. My name is the Reverend Terry Williams, and I am usually joined here in this space by our other faith organizer, Kelly Fox. Kelly, however, this week is off and about enjoying a vacation and the beautiful wonder of life that is summer. And in Kelly's absence, we have a guest with us today, and I'm super excited to introduce you all to Jen Miller, Executive Director of the League of Women Voters of Ohio. Jen, can you give us a shout? Hey there. Thanks for having me, Terry. Well, thank you so much for being with us. We are so excited to get to be with you on Our Soul today, and particularly to pick your brain about the upcoming Issue 1 ballot election in Ohio. We have this special election that we're having in August. I mean, I thought for a minute that we weren't having special elections anymore. At least that's what I heard from the General Assembly last year. But now we're making this special exception for a special election for special interests. You all can guess where we stand on this at Faith Choice Ohio, of course. As a nonprofit organization, we don't take part in any candidate campaigns for or against any partisan candidates. But we do take positions on issues of moral conscience and value. And we have endorsed the Vote No campaign, the votenoinaugust.org campaign. Again, that's votenoinaugust.org. You can check out. And Jen Miller, I understand you have a little something to do with Vote No in August at the Legal Women Voters. Right. So we also are fiercely nonpartisan. We don't endorse candidates or parties either. We often don't take stances on ballot issues, but this one is fundamentally concerning for us because we really care about voters and voters' rights. And this would end our, essentially end our freedom to amend the constitution as citizens because it would make make it nearly impossible. And for that reason alone, we are standing in opposition as well. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned that the League of Women Voters sometimes doesn't take positions um, on issues that are in front of the voters. I kind of have to scratch my head and, and ask, like, when the last issue was that, aside from redistricting, of course, which the League has led on for decades, um, it it is kind of a rare thing for the League to step in on um, issues in front of the state, particularly ballot initiatives around the Constitution. So when we're looking at issue one, just to give everybody an overview, if you've been under a rock or away or you've been taken by the aliens in the government, you know, uh, hearing that was uh, this week in, at the federal government, if you don't know what issue one is, issue one is the proposal to change a more than 100 year law in the state of Ohio. The, the current law, the way that it's been for over 100 years, if there is a proposal that gets to the voters, the voters have to approve a proposal to change the state constitution by 50% plus one vote of a statewide ballot. That is, everybody in the state votes, everybody's vote counts the same, and 50% plus one or more get to change the constitution. The proposal for issue one is to do away with all that and to require a 60% vote so that even if folks got 59% of the vote, they would not prevail. 
In addition to changing that percentage threshold, issue one would also make it more difficult to even get something on the ballot, essentially giving each county in the state of Ohio a possible veto option, because every county would have to have a very large number of the people in that county sign on to even put something on the ballot to be considered by voters. So what about those proposals really got the league fired up enough to say, yes, we have to take a stand on this? Well, um, bottom line is that, you know, this is a freedom that Ohioans have had for a long time. And when Ohioans got this right in 1912, the Ohio State House was very corrupt. And this remains a check on power for us, especially as we see a, a gerrymandered legislature that has um, a lot of politicians who are able to just um, win their seat just because of the party designation that they have. Um, that means that when um, Ohioan, I'm sorry, when Ohioans push their lawmakers for something that they want, if that lawmaker knows that he or she will have that seat no matter what because of partisan gerrymandering, they don't have to listen to us. And we see a lot of times this legislature is out of step with our needs and interests. And so citizen-led ballot initiatives allow us to really pass policies that benefit our lives and our communities. Just the 60% alone is something that we can look at, Terry, because there's a lot of policies very good policies that would not have passed at that 60% threshold. Um, extending voting to people of color and women in the Ohio Constitution only mm. passed by 56% of the vote. Integrating the National Guard with people people of color and women, neither of those would have passed. Some of our faith friends would like to know that charitable bingo would have not mm -hmm. have passed in 1975. Um, um, Statewide bonds to provide affordable housing in 82 and 1990, neither of those would have passed the minimum wage in 2006. And one of the more interesting ones is actually the anti-monopoly amendment in 2015. So the proponents of issue one love to talk about how anyone can get anything in the constitution, which isn't true, but they love to point to the monopoly, the, the monopoly uh, casino issue where casinos are in the constitution but then Ohio voters fixed that in 2015 by prohibiting uh, monopolies or small groups of businesses like cartels from using the Constitution for their own special financial benefit. That only passed by 51.3% of the vote. Mm. So, so it shows you that a lot of things that today that we would agree with have not passed. Um, also, a lot of our statewide bonds, which is why we get a lot of our um, labor friends, if you think about the, the pipe fitters or the electricians, a lot of those folks are looking at the statewide bond issues uh, where um, we have used the constitutional amendment process to raise money for infrastructure upgrades, which are critical for our economy and for our um, health and safety as a state. I've heard some people from the other side of the issue, some of the proponents of this issue, making claims about, well, the federal constitution takes, you know, all these restrictions to pass things and, and our state constitution ought to be just like the, the federal constitution. I think it's very important for us to remember why our state constitution is not the federal constitution. And you all at the League of Women Voters have done some fantastic education around why state constitutions are so varied and different. You know, the, this concept of federalism has been for so long 
um, an element that holds our country together. The idea that if the federal government does not expressly reserve a right to itself, those rights are expressly reserved for the states and the states get to make decisions about how to do that. I, I was blown away, just full disclosure in this conversation, I am a member of my local League of Women Voters. I am a member of the Chillicothe Ross League of Women Voters, and I get great information at every meeting that I show up to. <laughs> we had a conversation about the Constitutional Convention of 1912, which is not as big a page turner as you might think, right? I mean, I was not terribly excited to hear that that was the topic uh, for the evening. But after I got into the discussion and hearing about why the elements of our Constitution that were passed in that Constitutional Convention 111 years now, if my math is right, uh, years ago, more than 100 years ago, I was just amazed at how similar the systems sound. In 1912, we passed a law to allow this change in the Constitution through a convention that gives us this 50% plus one majority for exactly what you said, Jen, this idea that the legislature was not being responsive to the will of the people. And the idea was by holding the legislature accountable to the will of the majority of the people, it would prevent some of the more egregious corruption that we saw at the state house. Now, I don't have to remind our listeners of the corruption at our local Ohio state house. We all remember Larry Householder and this $61 billion bribery scheme that not only not only broke and became a huge scandal, but frankly, the policy is still in effect right now. That system has provided a state house that doesn't listen to our needs. All of this money, all of this corruption has happened and gone through and continued to draft laws that the people didn't ask for at the same time that we are begging for comprehensive sexuality education. We are begging for something to address maternal health crisis in our communities across the state. We are begging for somebody to do something to make sure that people have access to reproductive health rights and justice. All of this work is being ignored because some people think that first energy bailouts are more important. I feel like given what you've shared with us, like why would we give up this fix to a problem that is still not solved, right? The, the problem of corruption is still with us. Why would we give up our one ability to fix this issue? Well, and even if it's not corruption, but you're right, that's what's happening here is that they're trying to trick us into voting our own rights away. You know, they, they when they introduced this, they called it good government. No, 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 no. <laughs> we women voters is good government. Right. Mm. Um, and we stand on the no side on purpose. Um, we have over 200 organizations uh, who are together in opposition. That includes um, the FOP and firefighters, nurses, teachers, faith leaders, good government groups. Um, we consider it a tripartisan movement because we have Republicans like Bob Taft and John Kasich and Betty Montgomery, as well as a wide range of Democrats like Dick Celeste. We also have a whole bunch of uh, third party organizations like the Libertarians, uh, independent voters, nonpartisan groups like ours. This is a tripartisan movement to protect our freedom to make decisions that improve our lives. This August election is actually a clear choice between citizens and special interests. If 
this would win, it would be more power for special interests, less power for us. It would be more power for the powerful, less power for um, everyday Ohioans. And so, yes, citizen initiatives are a check on power when the Ohio government is acting corrupt or not meeting our needs. But it's also just something that we've had for over a century. We're one of 18 states that allow citizen initiatives um, for amending the Constitution, and we need to preserve that. And just taking a look at the endorsements for the No campaign, it's really kind of shocking to see some of these organizations on the same page, right? Like, I'm looking here at the A. Philip Randolph Institute right next to the Fraternal Order of Police on this Vote No page. Like, I, I don't know that I've ever seen those organizations on the same line of of thinking. I'm looking through seeing civic organizations, the Ohio Farmers Union, Ohio Federation of Teachers, uh, Ohio Education Association. These organizations have stepped out of what is their traditional um, ideological perspectives uh, around a, a lot of issues. And they've said, no, this is bigger than what our traditional divides are like we will work alongside people who we don't really usually ever come together with um it's pretty profound for me to see that level of unity and we're seeing that also in the reported polling on this issue right um great bunch of information released it was published um in the cincinnati inquirers where i read it because i'm a southern ohioan okay folks everything <laughs> everything good comes out of southern ohio as far as as far as those of us uh, south of 70 are concerned but but the cincinnati inquirer um listed out that right now the polling on issue one in terms of people who've made up their minds versus people who haven't is about 57 percent voting no 26% voting yes and about 17% undecided. But the really interesting part for me was the breakout of who's voting no. It's not one political party or the other. There are large portions of, like you said, all of these different political ideologies, tripartisan movements that recognize it's bad government to allow a 60% threshold to block any good thing that a large majority of Ohioans want to, to enact. It is profound for me to sit here and look at the arguments that are being made. And I, I have to assume people are being genuine, right? I'm a pastor. And by nature, I assume the best about people. I assume that when people make a claim to me that they are making it out of a genuine desire, but when people who are proponents of this issue look at me and say, we have to vote yes on this issue to stop big outside interests from pumping money into our state, I just have to laugh, right? We found out by campaign finance filings in this last week, as reported in multiple newspapers, but Andrew Tobias out of Cleveland.com is like my go-to on money because he's he's a money nerd like I am, right? He was able to do the math and show that out of $4.85 million raised for the Vote Yes on One campaign, $4 million plus of that money came from one man named Richard Uline, who lives in Illinois. So yeah. you have 80% plus of the money being funneled in to change this element of our Constitution being pumped in by an out-of-state special interest. And... I just, Jen, I'm I'm interested to know, like, 
I fundamentally don't understand how somebody can tell me the best way to keep people from changing our constitution is to let a rich man from Illinois change our constitution. Yeah, absolutely. I don't don't understand that. We call this a special election for special interests. And I think we can go back even further, right? They had tried to um, pass this joint resolution to put this on the ballot um, at the end of last year, and we were able to come together in coalition and defeat that. They then came back earlier from Christmas break than they ever do, real early, because they said they were their number one priority was to get this on the primary ballot, and they failed. Um, they were able to pass this the very last day to get this on an August special election. But what changed between not getting on the primary and finally getting it passed for an August was the fact that this Richard Uline spent well over a million dollars lobbying, really filling the pockets of lawmakers um, with campaign contributions. And, you know, we had so many people in the state house that, um, you know, every day the state house was full. Every day the voicemails were full. Emails were full. Their offices were had visitors. The last day we had hundreds and hundreds of people there, couldn't even walk through the rotunda. And that's because this is a special election for special interests. This was not something decided by individuals who really want to protect the constitution. If we want to protect the constitution, let's do that. Let's get serious about that. If we want to worry about money and politics, let's get serious about that. But issue one is not that. This is simply a power grab because again, special interests know that they can get what they want out of lawmakers far more easily than they can get it out of you and me. And as much as I am encouraged by the polling, because I am Reverend Terry, I don't want anyone to let up on our campaigning until we reach the finish line. Let us not take this for granted. We know that polls can be wrong. So that's why we've Mm. been doing the mine and nine program. So tonight or tomorrow or the next day, I'm asking each listener to pledge to call nine people they know, family, family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors, and make sure those nine know that there's a special election because too many Ohioans still don't know that there is one, um, that it's important because you might think only one issue, eh, it's all right, and that they need to vote no, that majority rule is at stake. And then once mm. they do that, ask them to commit to contacting nine of theirs. That's how the mine plus nine works, is we're going to continue to build this tripartisan movement to protect our democracy and protect our freedom as Ohioans to pass policies that benefit us through a neighbor to neighbor campaign. That's how we're gonna win. Mine and nine, I love it. I'm starting to think about who are my nine gonna be? Right. I got I got I got some good nominees here. You know, we we start thinking through the conversation that, that, you know, you've just kind of set us on. You've begun talking about a special election for special interests. And I'm telling you right now, I'm 100 percent on board with everything we shared, everything we talked about. The one question that I do have to raise, because we are a reproductive health rights and justice organization here. I have to talk about abortion for a minute. Right. Yep. Because we saw we saw 
at the debate where we had we had two folks from the no campaign and two folks from the yes campaign get up and have a debate on uh you know local television about the benefits and the detractions of this change one of the individuals from the yes campaign was a man by the name of mike gonadakis who has devoted much of his life to utilizing abortion as a motivating political issue. And I say it just that way because, you know, for those of us at, at Faith Choice Ohio, we recognize that abortion is not for the anti-abortion far-right movement. It is not primarily a moral issue for them about abortion. It is a winning issue around politics and motivation for a very small slice of people. And Mike Gonadakis has made his living by scaring people about abortion, by using abortion as a motivating factor, by stigmatizing people who have abortions for political profit and gain. And I was just coming out of my seat at the fact that that man was chosen to represent the yes side of this vote, because from my perspective... Regardless of a person's position about safe and legal abortion, and regardless of a person's personal moral choices, when we talk about abortion as a political issue, it should not be treated as a football like Mike Gonadakis has used it as. And frankly, I feel in this moment, and this is what I really I really want your, your view on, your, your idea on, I feel like Mike Gonadakis has a lot of other agenda items. Mike Gonadakis wants a lower minimum wage. He's been really clear about that. Mike Gonadakis wants a lot of social changes and regressions in our society. And Mike Gonadakis thinks that he can use a scare tactic around abortion stigma to scare people into giving away our rights in this moment. How do you feel when you see demagogues and, and professional grifters, my word for Mike Gonadakis, how do you feel when you see these people come out with the scare tactics that they know they have to use because they can't actually argue their way into a vote? They can't persuade people to support this. They start using those scare tactics and they run for abortion. How does that make you feel? Well, I mean, I think that it just inspires me to keep telling voters the truth. And that's our strategy. That's been our strategy all along. Neighbor to neighbor, let's tell voters the truth that folks are trying to trick us into voting our own rights away, our own freedoms to hold the government accountable. Um, you were right that this is about abortion and, you know, that they're doing it in August, it seems, so that the choice amendment in the fall would have to pass by 60 percent. And it is also true that um, Rep. Stewart, uh, who brought this uh, Senate, th this joint resolution out of the House, he actually talked about this in a, in a letter to his colleagues saying the two main reasons to do this were abortion and redistricting reform. And so... We need to keep in mind that so much is at stake, but I would say it's not about one election. It's not about one party. It's not about one issue. It's about all of us. Mm. It's about 12 million Ohioans having the freedom to take issues into our own hands when government is being unresponsive. And it's for decades and decades and decades to come. And so we need to preserve this freedom we have today and for future generations. Um, and you're right. It is shameful that anyone anyone would call a special election that is going to cost $20 million at a time when many people don't even know that there's an election to put such an issue of grave importance on the ballot. 
that is utterly shameful that they're trying to not just rig the game, but do it at a, on an off election when they think a lot of people won't be paying attention. And um, that's why we need to, the best accountability we can give this legislature right now is to be showing up and voting no in droves, to break turnout expectations threefold, and to really show that Ohioans, regardless of party, regardless of county, regardless of age, value our right to amend the Ohio Constitution and therefore will vote no. Well said. Well said. I, I just, <clears throat> as a person who works in abortion advocacy, I have people who ask me all the time, like, is issue one in August just really about abortion? Is that like what it comes down to? And I always tell people it's about abortion and so much more. Right. Yeah. Because at its root, right, abortion rights and reproductive freedom, because let's be really clear, like the issue that's coming in November is about abortion and so much more. Right. The actual amendment that's coming in November, you can read. We'll put it in the show notes. The actual amendment talks about not only abortion, but miscarriage care, the ability to have access to contraception, the ability to continue a pregnancy when a person wants to, like all of these other elements that are essential elements of healthcare and medical freedom. That's really what's at stake in this election. Not just those elements, but all the other elements that we value and cherish around our freedom and liberty in the United States and in this state, that we have the ability to stand up and say, no, we want changes made to the fundamental governing document that should represent the way that we do business in Ohio, the way that we live together. And that change does not come because special interests initiate it. It does not come because special interests pay enough money for it. It does not come because we have rigged the system and gerrymandered our legislature and twisted the entire concept of democracy around on itself. It comes because at the end of the day, a majority of people come out and vote for it. And for me, I know I shared this with you before um, we went live on uh, air here, but I just I want to share this again. It is my deep hope that we press turnout and we move people to be able to not just offer a no vote, but a resounding no vote. I want us to have a no vote that is worthy of what the people on the yes side claim to want. Because I keep hearing people on the yes side say, well, shouldn't we have a constitution where only changes that get to be made are changes that have broad bipartisan support? You know what? If they thought they had broad bipartisan support for this issue, they wouldn't have brought it in August, right? We know we have broad bipartisan support to stop this issue in its tracks. And that's exactly where we're headed. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, Jen Miller, just we have a few minutes left. I'm just interested to know, like, so League of Women Voters is fully engaged right now. I have seen yeah. like so much work done from the league, like posters and flyers and handouts and stuff's been coming out of churches and nonprofit orgs and the libraries, right? Like you all have been trying to make it very clear that no one should stay home. Everyone should come out and vote. Where are you headed August 9th, like, are you take are you taking at least a vacation or like a day <laughs> off or a half day or something? Like, are, 
Is it just, is it just <laughs> right? Well, I mean, so first off, we want everyone to become a dues paying member of the league. It's my dream that we have, we could even double our membership here with, with this kind of work because our volunteers and our members are our backbone and that's how we can register voters and educate voters across the state. So our website is lwvohio.org. So League of Women Voters of Ohio, lwvohio.org. We'd love for people to join the league or check it out. We're going to be working on redistricting. We're always going to be working on educating voters um, and doing everything we can to promote a democracy that works for you and me and, and, and folks who think like us and people who don't. Because mm. that's what is most important is that Ohio represent all of us and that we defend that freedom through defeating issue one, but well beyond by being informed voters. Outstanding. Jen Miller from the League of Women Voters of Ohio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're helping us keep the faith here at Our Soul. Thanks, everybody, for listening in and be sure to check out the show notes for all the fantastic links and a link to the League of Women Voters of Ohio, where you, too, could become a dues paid member. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.